Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Magic Podcast. Seth Green is a five-time best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized direct response marketing expert who is CEO of one of the fastest-growing direct response marketing firms in the country. To get free access to a download of his new book, Podcast Marketing Magic, and a free live training webinar that will show you how you can use a podcast to attract new customers and referrals like magic, simply register at www.ultimatemarketingmagician.com. On the podcast, Seth brings together some of the most cutting-edge thought leaders in the world to share with you how they grow their businesses and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Hi, my name is Ella Green. The best marketing guy is my dad. First, he helps people with, with marketing magic. Next, if you need marketing help, he will help you. Finally, if he is a mat marketer, my dad is the best. Welcome to the Direct Response Podcast. I am your host, Seth Green, and I am excited today to be interviewing Brian Basilico. Brian is an internationally recognized speaker, author, coach, trainer, and adjunct professor. He brings over 35 years of marketing experience to his award-winning internet marketing company, B2B Interactive Marketing, Inc. Brian is a podcaster. I am a subscriber and highly suggest you listen to The Bacon Podcast at baconpodcast.com and a syndicated blogger. He's been a feature, featured as a guest expert in Entrepreneur and Inc. magazine, as well as various news articles, radio shows, and podcasts. He is also, also an author. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Seth, it is a pleasure, man. It's great to speak to you, dude. Awesome. We greatly appreciate it. Let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started? Well, I started as a two-year-old strumming a broomstick. Um, and from there, I got the music bug. And I loved playing music. And I learned, actually, my first guitar teacher was a uh, drill instructor at West Point Military Academy. And you can imagine, you know, G chord, go! A court go, you know. <laughs> so, um, so the first business I started was actually a recording studio in my dad's basement, and did that for a handful of years. Got a degree in electronics, and then got hired by AT and T to go wire their uh, video studio. They were moving from one location to another, and in the process of that, my boss walks up to me one day and says, "Brian, you ever shot anything on a camera?" I go, "No, nah, not really." He says, "Well, tomorrow you're going to do it." And he says, "Oh, by the way, what is your house worth?" He said, eh, at the time it was a townhouse that was worth about 40000 bucks." He goes, good, don't drop the camera. It's worth twice as much as your house. So you can imagine oh what the video looked like the first time I was shaky, shooting. Right? Yeah, just a little shaky, yeah. But, you know, eventually I learned how to do it and got better and then started editing and producing and um, ended up leaving that gig to start my own commercial recording studio where I did jingles. I was a jingle singer on True Value Hardware, Tiger Toys, and mixing the two of those up and um and also did like a lot of radio commercials i did like ivr systems interactive voice response for mcdonald's and motorola and some big time companies and and also did like all the audio cassettes for avon ladies across the united states 
ended up selling that company to go work at a multimedia production company. They bought my studio and incorporated it and then started doing websites and programming CD-ROMs and flash animation. Left that company to go work at Arthur Anderson. I got headhunted and went to work at their training center doing some high-level stuff. Ended up leaving there after uh, Enron took that company down and went to work at an ad agency and started getting into banner ads and Google and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, after a short stint with them, opened up my company almost 15 years ago now and uh, have been doing everything. When I first started the business, I actually started doing business card CDs. And uh, it was a great business, um, except nobody has CD players anymore. So that kind of went away. And so I've always called myself the uh, the reinvention king because I've constantly had to reinvent myself. And, uh, you know, then social media came around in, you know, 2003, 4, 5, and 6 and started kind of digging into that. And since then, I've been doing all kinds of marketing for large and small companies, and that's been my gig. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. And I'm sure the longer the longer version obviously fills at least one of your books. Huh? Right, exactly, yes. <laughs> what do you wish you knew when you started that you know now, um, other than that no one would have CD players? That, that I'm always wrong to my wife? I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, no, my wife's an awesome person. Um, what I wish I knew then that I know now was that, you know, the, the, the evolution, I mean, that, that change was going to happen so quickly because, man, every time I started something, I thought, okay, this is going to be the bomb. And really what I know now is I call myself a professional student. I'm constantly in learning mode. You know, I'm constantly trying to figure out what's next and try to ride that tide. I mean, you know, when, when Blab came out, I sat around and started watching a lot of Blabs, and then I went and played with a couple of Blabs, and I jumped on some Blabs, and now I have a Blab. And uh, Periscope and, and Snapchat and, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, and retargeting pixels. I mean, man, there's so much, you know, it's just – but you've got to learn it whether you're going to do it yourself or whether somebody else is going to do it for you. You at least have to understand that this is all changing and evolving, and I wish I knew back then um, to be more of a student because I probably would be a little further along than I am right now. That makes a lot of sense. What have been some of the biggest challenges you've overcome, and more importantly, what did you learn from them? Oh, dude, where do I begin? <laughs> um, uh, the biggest challenge I ever had was when uh, I owned the recording studio, had five employees, quarter million dollar worth of gear, doing a half million dollars worth of business, and the basement where my studio was, my offices were on the first floor, and we built the studio in the basement to be below ground level so we'd have more quiet – got flooded out with raw sewage and shut me down for three months. And man, I had to learn a lot of lessons through that. It, it was just, uh, you know, A, I, I didn't insure myself properly. I didn't have a preparedness plan. Um, we ended up having to pick up and move. And then I went and took a full-time job so that I can keep the business open and still pay the employees, which they basically mutinized and, and rightfully so. I mean, I, I'm not, have no ill feelings. But they ended up coming to me one day and say, dude, we're quitting and we're leaving with all your clients. And it's like, oh, OK. So, you know, I mean, wow. yeah, the lesson I had to learn was, again, it was a reinvention thing, man. It was like I had to go in and rebuild the business again and then get it to a point where somebody came and bought it, you know. So, um, you know, but the lesson I learned was, you know, that, uh, you know, you constantly got to be on the lookout for stuff that you don't know. You know, it's always have people around you that are going to be good 
mentors and coaches. I think the lesson from that um, that I could share with your audience is that every doctor needs a doctor, every mentor needs a mentor, and every coach needs a coach. And so you you don't know what you don't know, and you got to surround yourself with people that will help you not be stupid. Surround yourself with people who will help you not be stupid. Yes. That is a awesome quote. Awesome write, writer downer right there. <laughs> what do you like best about your business now? People. That's what I love most about my business. I mean, we were just in Denver not too long ago. And I followed you. I've known about you, but I've never got a chance to meet you face to face. And when I did, you know, it was like, dude, this is really cool. It's it's meeting people. It's understanding people. And it's the relationships that we create inside a business. And I probably, you know, one thing I've learned through the coaching that I've done, because I've had a lot of coaches coach me, is my strength and my uh, my superpower, my internet marketing superpower is I'm a teacher. And I didn't even realize that. My dad was a course developer and uh, taught people all over the world. As a matter of fact, when he retired, he would fly over to Okinawa, Japan, and help uh, people that were retiring from the military learn how to assimilate back into society because they knew nothing but you know, getting three square meals and everything taken care of them, and they had no concept of what to do. So I got the opportunity to do that in a later part of life, and I love, love, love teaching. So that uh, that's, I think, one of the cornerstones. But then, you know, teaching is awesome, but you've got to figure out how to monetize it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I would agree with that. What do you attribute your success to? Um, all of the above. Uh, having good mentors, getting good coaches, um, listening to other people, and and really just continuing to learn and to grow. And uh, the way I teach is um, I try to do – I learn things and I try to do it for myself first and see what works and see what doesn't. And then I have an ability to get out there and either through books, through speeches, or through working with clients one-on-one, show them how to do it for themselves and then let them run the course. You know, it's it's one of those kind of things where – I'm not one of those kind of guys that's going to set up a website and want to maintain it for you for life. I'll tweak it, teach you how to do it, and then move on. You know, So it's really about teaching people to be successful in their own world, but do it in a way that's going to help them monetize what they're doing. So one of the things I like to say about my clients is um, I have a value proposition of what I call the one-to-three mode. You know, We all hear this. If you, know, you spend a dollar and you make two – you do it every single day. I look at it differently. I say, when a client spends a dollar with me, they've got to make three because they've got to pay for my time. They've got to pay for their time because they've got to learn and be involved in this, and then they have to make a profit. So it's, a, it's not quite as sexy as the two-to-one, but it's really super important. Absolutely. With all the success you've achieved, what would you say is your biggest challenge now? Um, staying ahead of the curve, man. It's, uh, it's, things are changing faster and more furious and it's really trying to figure out what is going to stick and what is not going to stick. And, you know, it's, it's like anybody else. It's, it's generating good results, generating great content and figuring out what, you know, the, the, the general population or my audience wants. Well, uh, you've gotten some, you know, amazing results for some of your clients. Can you share a couple case studies with us? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the most simple one is a, a woman who is a virtual assistant who I started working with. 
And um, the bottom line is, is that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people get into business, but don't understand business. And having run so many of my own businesses, I've always been a QuickBooks junkie. And, you know, I understand when dollars come in, where they go out, where they're going and so on and so forth. So I was able to sit down and work with her. And she was really kind of she was undervaluing and undercharging for her services, but also didn't really have any kind of niche. She really didn't know who she was and who she wanted to work for. So by spending a little bit of time with her and really helping her to focus on, you know, the the niche business, um, getting her pricing in line with the services that she was providing, making sure she was tracking her time. Within the first three months of this year, she actually exceeded all the money that she had made last year by 20 percent. And if she stays online, she's going to make five times more than what she made last year. So that's one. That's a pretty simple one. but it, That's incredible. Thank you, dude. But it's really about getting her focused on, you know, what the reality is and getting her to understand her books and getting her to understand the market. The other one that is uh, probably my favorite success story is a guy who does something very unique. Um, he does barcode testing. And barcode testing is, is somebody, you know, when you make a barcode and you put it on a box, it actually has to be tested. So he kind of had a, you know, a decent website. It was done by an IT guy, had zero calls to action, uh, really wasn't super focused on his audience. So the first thing that we did was revamp his message. And then what we did is I helped him break out and figure out four audiences. These four audiences are uh, what we call 101, 201, and 301, and 401. 101, I don't know what the heck a barcode is or what it does, but I know i got to test it. 201, I understand barcode testing, but I need to know more about the effective use of this and how it runs my business. Number three, or 301, um, these are people that are selling things to Walmart. If a barcode shows up at Walmart and can't be scanned on the scanner, all that stuff gets sent back and the company goes bankrupt. And then number four, which is pharmaceuticals. If a barcode is bad in a hospital, people die. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so you know, he did – what we did is we broke out his content. We said, okay, now you're going to start creating content in the form of a blog because he loved to write. And so we did a 101, 201, 301, and 401 blog every single month. So he's talking to all four audiences. If there was that ultimate fifth week, which happens four times a year, then he just did a product review. And so he started posting this stuff up on social media, got it into Facebook, but we're, he really saw – the benefit was on LinkedIn, especially LinkedIn Pulse. And what was happening from that is he was recognizing that the 101 and 401 audiences were the ones that were gravitating towards his information more. The proof of concept was is the 401 people were getting back to his website because they were clicking links and getting back and filling out contact forms. And he was getting about three to five new visitors a week saying, I need your help. That equated within less than a year, he was able to double his business. And we're talking a pretty significant six-figure business. And because he was focusing on the right audience, giving them the right content, and being responsive to their needs and educating them and, and more, you know, more or less building his brand. So that's probably my favorite success story. That is an awesome success story. What drives you crazy about your business? Oh, man, technology. <laughs> it changes. You know, you get up and do a blab and it doesn't work. You know, the uh, computer hard drives crash. Um, you do everything you can. I mean, I got backups on top of backups. But, you know, technology, it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. It's hard sometimes, you know, just to know what the right stuff is. Absolutely. It's 
That's also great when it works and kind of yes. can be very frustrating when it doesn't. Yes. Um, you talked about staying ahead of the curve. How do you stay ahead of the curve with all the information, all the constant change and the information you must get bombarded with? How do you how do you stay ahead of it? Um, I spend time. Well, I, let me I'll give you my system. OK, this is this is something that I've done um, over the last year and really set up. OK, I broke my week into five business days. Monday is called Marketing Monday. Tuesday is Training Tuesday. Wednesday is Working Wednesday. Thursday is Togetherness Thursday. And Friday is Flexible Friday. So Monday, I spend all of my time on marketing. And part of that is reading articles, um, getting my my blab first, my podcast, my blog done, um, and having that ready to start marketing my business and do those kind of things. Tuesday is Training Tuesday, where I focus either training clients or, or getting trained myself working with coaches, again, reading articles. Working Wednesday is just 100% focused on getting client stuff done. Uh, Togetherness Thursday is getting out and meeting people, meaning I go to uh, multiple networking events and actually get out to shake hands in my local area. Um, You know what it's like to go to conferences. You're stuck there for a handful of days. And then Flexible Friday is, you know, I try to figure out what's going to make, what I need at that point. It could be work. It could be training. It could be, you know, going out and golfing and just taking a day off. So what I really try to do is, is segment time and plan that and actually put it in my calendar to spend time educating myself, whether it's through a coach or whether it's through just reading articles or doing some research or stuff like that. But it's really focusing and having time set aside to be able to make sure that you're, you're, you're learning, you're growing and, and you're staying in touch with current trends. That makes a lot of sense. Are there any apps or software programs you use to help you? I mean, your scheduling, I love that each day has a label. Are there any apps or software programs you use to manage the email inbox or overflow of information? Um, you know, not really. I mean, I do have a bunch of virtual assistants that help. Um, that's nice. Um, you know, my scheduling has gotten a lot better since I'm using Acuity. I love Acuity scheduling because it, it does a lot for you at the same time. And uh, I'm actually, uh, I've had uh, Gavin, uh, I'm, uh, I, it begins with a Z. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but Gavin, the owner of the company, has been on my podcast and stuff like that. They just got a great product. I love that. That really helps me kind of keep things compartmentalized. Uh, but the rest of it is all just really having a, no, everything is integrated into my calendar as possible. I mean, that's really the key. The inboxes, um, you know, I just unsubscribe from as much stuff as I possibly can, <laughs> unless it's somebody I know, like, and trust and really want to get their stuff, you know. So you can always resubscribe, and I know that's the way of the world when it comes to email marketing is people unsubscribe and resubscribe all the time. So I just try to limit the amount of junk mail that I get. That is a good strategy. I know that you are a voracious learner. What are three of the best books you've ever read that have had the most impact on your work? Oh, these are all good questions, man. Um, Probably the three, well, there's so many. Um, One of my favorites when I first started getting into this business was uh, Platform by Michael Hyatt. Uh, That really kind of gave me a sense of what it is that I needed to do to kind of build my own platform. And then, of course, I mean, start with why um, the four-hour work week, um, the e-myth, uh, Bob Berg's, um, the go-giver. I mean, there's just uh, there's a ton, you know. Um, I'm a, but the thing is, is I'm not an avid reader. I'm an avid listener. I do pretty much everything, uh, walking my dog every single day at three o'clock on audiobook. 
Very, very cool. Excellent. Pet-friendly idea. Um, mm-hmm. who, who is an ideal client for you? My ideal client is the, – the perfect client is somebody who's running a business between a half million to about $10 million that knows that they need to market their business better but wants to learn how to do it but doesn't have the time to do it. And they've hired a 20-year-old who knows how to tweet, and the 20-year-old really needs some kind of system put in place. So the goal with me is – and I've got some prerequisites. First and foremost, I don't train just the 20-year-old. I, I want the owner of the business and the 20-year-old – and when I say 20, 25, 30, whatever it is um, – I want them both to be involved because we all know that the life expectancy of an average job right now is three years. So if I spend time training somebody in their business, the chances of them sticking around more than three years are slim and they need to understand the concepts. You know, can I do a refresher course for their replacement? Absolutely. The second thing, which is incredibly important to me, is I actually interview every single one of these people and make sure they understand how to read a balance sheet. If they can't read a balance sheet or a P&L statement, they'll never understand the concept of ROI, and what I do for them will never be of value to them. So those are, those are probably the most key things that I look at when I'm talking to new clients. And what is the first step you would want an ideal client to take? Well, the first step is a phone call. I mean, it's really it, – I want to find out about them and what their needs are and what they've done and what's worked and what hasn't. So it's really – you know, we're in the relationship business. I don't care what business you're in. Uh, I sold shoes when I was a little kid. Um, that's a relationship business. Uh, helping companies, you know, double, triple, or whatever their income, you're in the relationship business. So it's really about having a conversation and really getting to know them and making sure that, you know, you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Because uh, it's, it's hard to fire clients, but you never want to have to do it, but sometimes you have to. Very, very true. Awesome, awesome advice. Let me ask you this: Where um, there are so many ways for our audience to find you, um, what? Tell us a little bit. Tell talk about the books and talk about the places you want us to go to get more from you. Sure. Um, the new book is coming out. It's going to be July first. Now it's called "The Bacon System: Sizzling Hot Recipes to Grow Your Business." All of my books can be found not only on Amazon. Uh, but they get found, if you want to just read more about them, a website called notaboutyou.com. It's N-O-T-A-B-O-U-T, the letter U.com. That's where you can find the books. And you did mention the Bacon Podcast, which is just baconpodcast.com. And, uh, man, I'm going to be returning the favor. I so want you on mine. And then um, if you just want to find me, search Brian Basilico. It's B-R-I-A-N-B-A-S-I-L-I-C-O. From there, you'll find all my social media. I look forward to connecting with people and, you know, getting to know them and, and learn more about them. And that's what I do. So just search my name. You'll find me on pretty much every social media out there. Awesome. This has been Seth Green interviewing Brian Basilico of Bacon Podcast and the numerous other properties he's already mentioned that will be in our show notes. Everyone, thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Seth, man, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate it, dude. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.